0: Our Bible reading today is Psalm 32, which you will find on page 553 of the Black Pew Bibles, which are just underneath the seat in front of you. That's 553. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. While you may be found, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart.
1: Good morning, everyone. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and may it shine light into our souls and even the darkest places today as we think about the joy of brokenness. And Father, I pray you would do a great work here this morning in our hearts and minds and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's great to be here again as we think about deeper places. And if you've just joined us, we are second week into a series where we're looking at how do we grow deeper in our faith particularly by looking at the Psalms and the experiences of life and what they have to teach us. Today we're looking at the whole reality of the joy of brokenness. One of the realities of life is sickness and I want to say I don't think there's much joy and pain associated with being sick. In fact I hate being sick, I don't think I'm alone, I think most people would be in the same boat as me. Um, And some sicknesses last just a few days, some a long time, others can and do kill us. It's one of the realities that we have to face. Um, We're not as strong as we'd like to think we are. Recently, and I like to think that I'm healthy, uh, I remember going to a special function uh, for Jean Hay, it was kind of a note of thanks for her public service, and I could just feel a virus had entered my body. And you know that feeling, you just know it's downhill from here. Uh, I excused myself, I went home early that night and descended into sickness that lasted about five weeks. Uh, I did resuscitate for a brief period, went away, overexerted myself and went down again. And five, six weeks later, you kind of go, that was a bit stupid. Now, the reality is, um, doctors are very important. And after a few days, I basically had to swallow my pride and go, I need to go to the doctor, I'm not getting better, in fact, I'm getting worse. And I want to say doctors are wonderful people. And I went down and saw Dr Levingston, who's my family doctor, and he's prescribed some drugs to me, and within 24 hours you can start to feel them actually in your body doing good as the penicillin or antibiotics, whatever it is, uh, starts to kind of mingle with the virus that you've inherited or been given or caught, whatever it is, and you start to slowly recover. Thankfully, he gave me a repeat, and when I went down again, it was the first thing I reached for. I remember coming down here on a Saturday morning, not well, just waiting for the um, chemist to open so I could put some more drugs in my body. Today is a bit like going to the doctor. And I say that because uh, I'm not a medical doctor. Um, I've been surrounded by them. I've got a nurse for a wife and my mum and dad were both doctors. And one of the problems of that is you can't fake being sick. (laughs) Particularly when you want to get off school. My mum would just look at me and go, you're not sick. (laughs) Off you go. (laughs) And uh, she was pretty tough on us. But today... uh, you're basically here visiting a soul or spiritual doctor. We're looking at a topic called the joy of brokenness. And you might say, where is the joy in brokenness? Um, To break something normally means that it gets discarded, it's shattered, it's broken, it's crushed, you name it, uh, the words that you can use for being broken. They're not words we typically associate with joy. And I don't think we also think of them as words associated with growing deeper in terms of our own faith. But my job today is to help us to see that actually when you understand your brokenness under God and you come to grips and confess that to God, that actually there is a depth of knowing God's grace and experiencing his grace in your life that is attainable no other way. Last week I said if we were to go deeper with God, it would require several things. Uh, We'd need to pray and we had a wonderful time seeking God in prayer. The same invitation is here today, that we're going to be inviting people to come forward and pray. I also said we need to come to grips with the complexities of life. But I said the first thing we need to do if we're to grow deeper is to actually be honest with ourselves under God. And let me say, today honesty is needed in great quantities. I think I've written about five different sermons for today um, because this is probably one of the most challenging ones I've written. Because the one I'm going to do at the end of the service is invite you and me to get up and confess our sins. And let me say, that is so countercultural, it scares me. But I'm going to do it because I think it's so important for us to do. I'm not going to compel anyone, but I want to invite people that if you would like to come and join me in a time of confession, then come and do that. Now, you may have other things that you want to pray for. Absolutely, come and pray for them as well. But today, I'm asking us to be honest about our own condition under God. And the Bible says that we are sinful, it says we're empty. It says we're rebellious. It says we're broken. And the struggle of faith that we have to live out in this world can sometimes be painful and dark. And today we're actually going to try and descend into the valley of reality before we climb the mountaintop of joy. And to help us do that, we're going to look at Psalm 32. And what Psalm 32 is going to do is effectively be, I hope and I've prayed, a mirror to our souls. It's a psalm written by King David and it's his confession. And I want us to engage with that personally and in a sense to look in the mirror and to reflect as we think about what King David wrote about our own souls and our own condition under God. And what this psalm says to us And may it become our psalm. Now the Psalm 32 is what's technically called a penitential psalm. And there's a number of psalms in Scripture like this. Uh, Last week we had two psalms, Psalm 1 and 2. Psalm 1 is really a wisdom psalm. Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. This psalm is one that forms a group of psalms in Scripture called the messianic psalms. Sorry, the penitential psalms. And I've got a number of ones that are of that category in a sheet inside your handout. Now, if you've got your bulletins there, you might want to get that because I'm going to encourage us to use these words later on because they may be of assistance to us in giving voice to our own heart and desires. But penitential comes from the word penance and it means to be regretful of one's wrongdoing or sinning. It's effectively a psalm of repentance... And what we will engage with in this psalm is really the journey of repentance that King David underwent. Now, if this is your first time in church for a long time, and this is the first sermon you hear for a long while, you think, boy, I scored a good week, didn't I? <laughs> Where's the joy of "Oh, Happy Day from the Jazz Festival gone? <laughs> well, let me say, we're going to get there, okay? But you've actually got to confront reality... Under God, before you'll find joy in God. And if I can give you an illustration from doctors and visiting them, Uh, one of our good friends, a lady who came to faith uh, at the last church I worked in and then joined working for me personally on staff, same age as me, had had a number of issues with her back and neck that she'd struggled with. She'd had long-term issues with her lungs. She couldn't work out what it was. She went to the doctor, she went to the physio. They ended up saying she needed to get a scan. Dr. John rang her and said, you need to come and see me, Jane. Bring your husband. It was not good news. And the reality is, we actually have to confront reality And the news was not good. But it's clarified her condition and helped her to work out how she goes forward. And Isaiah the prophet said this, as we think about the reality of sin. He said, this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, and revive the heart of the contrite and I looked up what the word contrite means in the original language of Hebrew. It's a very confronting word, it's a word you would use when you crush something and what Isaiah is saying here, the one whose spirit or heart has been crushed is the one that God will lift up, it's the one he'll revive And you see, our spirits need to be broken. Our natural inclination is to pride and to see ourselves as strong and good and able. What we need the Spirit of God to do is actually crush us. I know that's a very confronting thing to hear, but we actually need to be undone before God and broken. Before we'll know the joy and the experience of his grace and love in our life. There's three things I want to talk about. The reality of sin, the call to confess and the joy of forgiveness. And this is what this psalm takes us through. And the reality of sin is this. The biggest problems we face today are not our social or economic theories, as significant as they may be, or our political theories. whether we should be socialist, capitalist, conservative, liberal or anarchist or whatever it is or what other tag you want to have. It's not our psychological models, it's not our international relations which seem so on edge that they are today. It's something more basic and more profound that is our biggest problem in this world, it's our sin. It's our refusal to acknowledge that there's a God who's over us and to live for him and trust him. And with that fundamental breakdown in humanity, all other issues flow, all other problems flow. I mean, the fascinating things with economics is uh, it doesn't matter what model you have, we've tried them all globally, none of them really work because, you see, they don't address the problem of the human heart. And the natural, inherent tendency to look after oneself over others... It's what plagues all efforts to govern. We've got to confront that. And we're going to have a look at that today. When you look at this psalm, Psalm 32, there's the verse there. uh, There's four words used here to describe skin. As if one is not enough. He's got four. Have a look at verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin sins are covered blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against the man in whose spirit is no deceit now in this opening phrase which echoes Psalm 1 but is different to Psalm 1 Psalm 1 we saw last week speak spoke of the blessing and the happiness that is given to the one who lives for God does not hang out in the council of the wicked doesn't stand with them and whose delight is in the law of the Lord who loves the scriptures and puts it into practice Well, this week, the blessing of God is on the one who actually admits their sin. First word, transgression. Uh, Transgression means to rebel. It is a refusing to submit to rightful authority. And so that's the nature of rebels, if I can say, in our country. They won't submit to the authority of the government or those laws that govern us. Spiritually, it's that we don't want to submit to the rightful authority that God has over us as our Creator. We refuse to subject ourselves to Him as our Lord and our God and we say, I'm going to run my life my own way. Blessed is the one whose transgression or rebellion is forgiven. Secondly, whose sin is also covered And the word sin is a different word to transgression. It means to miss the mark. And while transgressions look at the violation of known laws and authority, sin means we come short of a standard. And the standard we come short of is perfection. None of us meet God's standards. That's the reality. Verse 2... It says, and in whose spirit is no deceit. And deceit is the word for treachery. It means to engage in a deliberate cover-up, falsehood or hypocrisy. You present a false front so that you look good even when you know you're not. And let me say, spiritually, there's a lot of deceit that goes on. We present to the world that we're okay, when in reality, there's hypocrisy. And lastly, in verse 5, if the first three weren't enough... It says, when he came to his senses, God forgave the iniquity of his sin. And iniquity is a word meaning bent or twisted. It has the nuance of um, perverting what is right, of erring from the way. And anytime you've done something crooked, you've committed an iniquity. Now let me put this together in terms of what King David is saying. He's come to the point, the breaking point, where he confesses that he perverted God's ways, that he rebelled against his authority, that he'd covered up his sins, that he'd not lived according to God's word, that he'd sinned. And it's worth saying, this is King David, one of the great ones in the Old Testament. And the profession here is profound. He's saying, I am broken. Let me speak to us personally as your senior minister. I know people often think that senior ministers or any ministers are kind of slightly below perfect. (laughs) That we have no struggles. That we wouldn't ever do anything wrong. Let me just tell you, that is the biggest lie you'll ever hear. (laughs) And if one of the staff tell you otherwise, they're lying to you as well. I am just like you. I struggle to obey God. Yes, I have the Spirit of God who works in my heart. But there is a struggle every day with the existence of the sin in my life. I struggle to trust Him. I struggle to obey him. There are times where I feel things I think I just should not feel this. Rage, anger, there's times you think if only you knew what I was really like. You might think what a hypocrite we've got as a senior minister. Now let me just say I don't think I'm any different to you. If the first news is shocking well the second is good we're actually all the same. We're all broken. None of us are righteous. The question is, will we face up to it? And will we be honest under God about it? Here's the thing, you will not know the joy of God's grace until you get real about who you are under him. Secondly, the call to confess. This whole psalm turns on verse 5. Look with me at verses 3 and 4. I'll come back to that. David said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And he picks up the imagery of being sick. And when you're in the Psalms, there's lots of images and word pictures that are given to us. And they're given to us to meditate on. And this one is of David sick on his bed, groaning. Now let me say, I I know I'm a male and my wife sometimes thinks I have male flu. But I do know that reality. (laughs) And I knew that reality just recently. Of literally lying there thinking, I just would like to get up and do some work. I can't get up and do some work. My bones groaned. I felt like I was wasting away. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And what he's reflecting on using the imagery of sickness is the reality of guilt. That he knows he's guilty under God, he knows he's rebellious and sinful under God and it is weighing on his soul like a virus or a sickness or a cancer and it's destroying him. Bones wasting away, groaning all day long. And guilt is two things, there's an objective guilt where we are guilty because of our sin before God and our guilt will mean we will face God's judgment if we face him alone. But the objective reality of guilt is experienced subjectively, experientially in our life as we experience our conscience telling us we need God, we're running away from God, we're rebelling against God. Our conscience is designed for us to remind us that we do things wrong and ultimately we need God. And what we need to do is confess our sins to God and turn our lives over to God. And this psalm, as I said, turns on verse 5. It's a very powerful turning. Look at verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he took his guilt away, is what David is saying. The Lord removed his guilt objectively. You covered up my iniquity. Confession is the most wonderful thing for us. As a parent, one of the things that you want when your children have sinned and rebelled against you is actually to do what? To confess. Because you want them to be honest about the situation and not try and be deceptive and lie and hide. And God calls us to be honest with him about who we are. And not to run away, not to hide, not to pretend that we're not sinful but to actually admit and confess who we are under him. And here's the wonderful thing. Have a look at verse 1 and verse 5. There's one word used twice here in the psalm, and I only saw it very late in my preparation. But it's the same Hebrew word. And you see, he says in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And you see, what he was doing was trying to cover over who he was before God. It's what we all do. But he got to the point of saying, I actually can't cover it up anymore. I'm actually going to expose myself and my heart to you, Lord. And when he uncovers who he is to God and confesses his sins, what happens? Verse 1, his sins are covered. And so as he uncovers the reality of, his brokenness and sinfulness, God covers him with his forgiveness and love and pours his grace into his life. And so if you want to know and experience the grace of God and the forgiveness of God in your life and the love of God in your life, you've actually got to uncover your heart before him and confess your sins to him conversion is when we do that for the first time and we get to that point of saying actually I'm going to stop running God and I'm going to open my life up to you and I'm going to confess I've run from you and that I'm a sinner please forgive me but that attitude that place of humility and brokenness should never leave us and the Christian life at one level is a journey of continuing to walk humbly, broken before Him, and uncovering our lives to Him, and confessing our sins before Him. Confession is the most powerful tool where you get honest with God about who you are. And what follows is the joy of forgiveness. And I just want to read to you uh, from Psalm 32 the following words. After verse 5, therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. In other words, you're going to be safe, protected by God's love and His grace. You are my hiding place. You'll protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. It's the great promise of those who come before God in humility and confess their sins and give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is their God, He is their protection and deliverance. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which has no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, for they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. And do you hear what David is saying? When you know the joy of being broken and forgiven and put back together by God, it leads you to sing. Because you actually will be experiencing the reality of his grace and love and forgiveness in your life. And there's two beautiful descriptions of the forgiveness that we have in Christ in verses 1 and verses 2. It's that our sins are covered over and that they're not counted against us. And you see, that's the glory of God's grace. He covers us with his love and we're covered by Jesus' blood. He dies to protect us and forgive us. And the sins and the guilt that should be counted against us is actually cast on the Lord Jesus on the day he died. And he bears the cost of our guilt as he faces God's wrath. And we can rejoice and be glad. This whole psalm swings on this statement, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Do you want to have a deeper experience of God's love? Well, then what you need to do is get the hammer out and break the self-protective shell that we place around our lives. The protection of our morality. I'm a good moral person. Let me be very forthright. Actually, you're not. I'm not. The protection of self-righteousness, I'm better than other people, actually you're not and I'm not. The protection of control, God I'll give you a part of my life but not all of it, actually we cannot, it's all or nothing. The protection of religion, look I come to church, look what I do for you, actually that's not the point. Have you come to Christ and laid your life down before him? And the list goes on. And when you start playing that script, what you're saying to God is this, God, I'm really not that bad. Surely you'll be okay with me. And God's answer is gentle but firm. No. We actually need to be broken and confess our sins. But not just our sins, our deep sin. That we do not want God over us as our Lord and as our God. And brokenness is the state of abandonment of every form of self-righteousness and self-control under God. It's the confession that we're not good enough, we're not moral enough, we're not righteous enough and actually we never will be. And only in Christ can we be put back together and made righteous and made whole and forgiven and pure. It's why this psalm starts, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered... And finishes with saying, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Let me finish with an illustration. There's a Japanese pottery style called kintsugi. Now, forgive me for my translation uh, and my accent. It literally means golden joinery. It's also known as kintsukuro. And it's the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. And what they do is they will take broken pieces of pottery like you can see on the screen and with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold or silver or platinum, they will bring the pot back together. And as a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of the object rather than something to disguise. In other words, from the broken pieces, you make a renewed piece that has even greater beauty. And this is what happens. It's quite incredible rather than hide the flaws they actually display incredible beauty and wonder and you see that's the reality of being broken and remade in Christ when we know his love and forgiveness we are vessels of his grace and it humbles us and causes us to be people who become beautiful as we display his love and grace to the world. And that is the call and the transformation of the gospel. We need to be broken if we're to experience his joy and he does it so we become trophies of his grace. I'm going to stop and I'm going to invite us for prayer. When I acknowledge the guilt Of my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Last week I called people to come forward for prayer. Today I'm going to do the same thing. Today, though, is what I would call a much riskier proposition. It's one thing to come forward and pray, it's another to come forward and acknowledge your brokenness in prayer. So let me just give you four words of encouragement. All of us are broken before God and all need to come and confess. And I'll be the first one up there. The staff are coming, probably because I told them they had to. (laughs) But hopefully, willingly. Why do I invite people to come forward? Coming forward will allow each of us a special time at the prayer railing to kneel and confess our need of God. And there may be particular issues or struggles or sins that you need to come quietly and confess to God. I don't know if you've noticed, but... Churches often appear in TV series or movies, and do you know why they appear? It's often because someone is coming to confess. And you're here in a place that's safe, where you can come and confess your need of God. Now you may be thinking, I'm not quite sure how to pray. Well let me just say, if that is you, that's why I've typed up some of these Psalms. Well, I didn't type them, I just took them off my computer. And you may just want to read one of these psalms to God to express your heart to him. And so I've got a number of ones that speak for numbers of conditions. But hear what Jesus said. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, luredness, envy, slander, arrogance folly all these evils come from inside and they defile us and what we need to do is lay bare before God what is in our hearts and confess it to him and so I invite you to bring your struggles to bring your sins to bring your issues to actually just bring yourself to God in prayer and Jesus said these words of comfort to us come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and the Apostle John said this if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness so if you would like to come forward for prayer I invite you to come you may just want to sit in your seats and pray while we're doing this Dave is going to lead us in some beautiful songs to sing and reflect on what we've spoken of today but I'm going to invite the staff and those who are helping with prayer to come and join if you'd like someone to pray for you a few people will be just standing in the sanctuary a few behind the railings and they'll be very happy to pray for you if you'd like that to happen